0: This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Lacey. And I'm Ashley. And this is United States of Murder. This week, we discuss Boston's most notorious cold case. Then, we'll talk about a triple homicide that offers insight into another American tragedy. So buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the Bay State. One of the most tragic and strange murders in Boston history happened in June of 1996. A 20-year-old Swedish au pair by the name of Karina was found murdered. The truly horrific way that she died... And the mystery of who could have done this and why is enough to make us obsessed with true crime go down all the rabbit holes, hoping we find something that someone else hasn't. This murder has never been solved, and it remains Boston's most notorious cold case. Karina Erica Homer Was born September 7th, 1975, in Sweden, in a very rural town that only had about 100 people. I'm not gonna tell you the name of this town because I will mispronounce it and we leave that to Lacey. Is
1: (laughs) is it long?
0: It's Swedish. I'll murder it. No pun intended. So, Karina graduated high school in 1994 and worked as a waitress. She did win a $1,500 lottery scratch off ticket. That allowed her to afford to travel to the United States. How fun! She did contact an au pair agent that specialized in US placements, even though he wasn't licensed to do so. Ooh. So in March of 96, Karina traveled to the US and went to work as an au pair for Frank Rapp and Susan Nitchter. Susan was a professor, artist, and mother. And Frank was a commercial photographer. The family lived around 15 miles west of Boston in a very affluent area, Dover, Massachusetts.
1: Hmm.
0: The family was extremely wealthy. And Karina cared for their first grader and toddler, as well as took care of the house, like cooking and cleaning and all the things. I need that for my dog. I need that for myself. And the children absolutely loved her. So it was a good fit. On the weekends, Karina stayed in the family's South Boston apartment that Frank used during the week for his photography studio. This gave her time to be a young woman. She had freedom and privacy. And I think that's pretty awesome of them to have this downtown little, you know, apartment, loft, condo, whatever, that she could go. That's pretty cool. Yeah. She didn't have to be around the kids all weekend. She like had her... Whole weekends off to drink and hang out or sleep in. Or a good gig. It's a great gig. She had started complaining to her family and friends back home that she was feeling overworked. Mm. She felt under pressure and stressed. She said it was just too much cleaning. This was. This isn't an unusual complaint amongst au pairs and nannies who come to the U.S. for work. Not all families take advantage of these young girls, but some definitely do threatening to send the girls back and you know if they refuse to work late or whatever because a lot of these women are here on work visas and some of them aren't even here on work visas you know what i mean so with that over their head they're gonna do whatever to stay that's true which sucks but i'm not saying that that Was the case here? We definitely do not know. But they are exploited often. Often. Very, very often. And especially if they're not American. Right. Yeah, right. And they don't know the rules and the laws here. They could. Yeah. Again, not saying this family did that. Right. right, But it's not unusual that that happens. Another letter that she had written to a friend back home said something bad had happened. And she would tell them when she got back to Sweden. So, no one knows exactly what that secret was. There is a lot of speculation, but nothing concrete. That's one thing about this case, because I know a little bit about it, that drives me bananas. Yeah. Is that, what was it? What was it? I mean, and really? why couldn't we write it in a letter or I mean, call she, on the phone? It, or she could have got a tattoo. It been, I mean, it could have been something yeah, really it, silly to us, <sighs> but very... Controversial to them. Mm -hmm. Anyways, we do know that whatever it was that was bothering her did not interfere with her job of taking care of the children. She never complained to her host family. Hmm. I mean, she was there to work and she did it with a smile on her face. We do know she was ready to go home. She talked about it often to her family and friends, and she wanted to do what was next. She wanted to go somewhere else, she wanted to travel. This was not what I guess she had thought up, thought it would be. Right. Or maybe it was and she was just like, I, I want to see more of the United States. Or, But she hadn't planned on quitting. She was leaving and going back home within the next month, I believe. So she had kind of a rough notice. Of yeah. Leaving. She got there in March and she had planned on leaving by the end of the summer. So, on Friday, June the 21st, 1996, it was the summer solstice, the longest day of the year in the Northern Hemisphere, and a huge holiday in Sweden. I mean, maples and flowers and drinks and... midsummer. summer. And I'm just yeah, starting- it's like all the things that, yeah, that... No murder. No murder, but all the fun things. Mm-hmm. There's a whole dance and a folk song. They do all of it, which I'm very intrigued by. So, Karina went out that night to celebrate with other European au pairs that she had met and became friends with. So, off the girls go with their fake IDs to a club they frequent called Zanzibar. It's near Boston Common and it shared an alley with several other clubs. She and her friends would meet at the apartment, pregame, and then walk down to the clubs. And Zanzibar was the place to be. In Boston in the 90s, it was like palm trees and all the people that worked there wore like khaki shorts. and <laughs> So, sounds mm-hmm. super cute. So, there she sang and danced and drank and hung out with her friends. And she was not a party girl despite what the media tried to portray. Mm-hmm. She was doing everything that every other 20-year-old does. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Why would she not? Yeah. No. It was reported that she was very intoxicated and her friends met up with other people and left. So, she was by herself at the bar at this point. Girls. Don't like that. Don't like that. Girls, do not do this to your friends. Boys, do not do this to your friends. Like, we can fight about this tomorrow, but you're leaving with me tonight. You're not. We've been there with our friends. They get mad at us. It's not pretty, but they won't remember the next day, so it doesn't matter. It's nothing personal. I was this girl in my 20s. I was as I was typing this, I instantly was transported back to my early 20s or mid 20s and I lived downtown mm-hmm. and my friends and I would go out. We were single and there were many nights that my friends Kim and Erica would take turns, quote unquote, watching Ashley. Because I was a flight risk. Yeah. I would leave. I would do an Irish goodbye and leave with someone mm-hmm. and just be gone. And yeah. this was the early 2000s. So cell phones were not. They couldn't stalk you. No. On Find My Friend app. No. Nope. Nope. Yeah, I, would, I would get us into more shitty situations oh with strangers. I have drugged them to bachelor parties and penthouses where we didn't know any of these guys <laughs> and we could have been murdered. I met a group of guys from the Netherlands once, <laughs> and they only spoke broken English. And I drugged them. My two friends. Oh, I thought you were saying you
1: drugged them. No, I mean, you, no, no, no. Yeah. Okay, sorry. no, I drugged. Like, oh my,
0: God. my I drugged my two girlfriends with me, okay. and these three guys <laughs> who were like rugby players that could have easily overpowered us down to the river in Memphis, oh, where no. no one around, and. I mean, we were all fine, but I apologize to my friends for risking their lives every single time. They went out with me, and thank you for never leaving me. I got in many fights with these girls, and we laugh about it now that we're in our 40s and all have children, that I would literally fight with them. They would put people in cabs and send them away. That One would distract me, and they would be like, here's your cab. Get in and leave. Because they were trying to make sure I didn't get murdered. Mm So. I digress. Anyways, we don't know that's what happened here. One of the assistants at the bar said he saw her around 2 a.m. passed out on the table with her head in her hands. One of the bartenders did ask him to walk over to her and make sure she was okay and get her to a cab. This guy was in the middle of doing something, and he said, Okay, let me go, you know, drop this off or whatever, and then I'll come back. Well, when he got back, she was gone. Oh. So what had happened was she had went to the bathroom, passed out in there, and this in turn got her kicked out. This was around 3 a.m. Karina's body was found two miles west of Zanzibar in a dumpster on Sunday, June the 23rd by a homeless man who had been looking through the trash. He came across a bag that was heavy and curiosity got to him and he ripped the bag open and was shocked to find the upper body of a young woman. She was cut just below the rib cage and above the hip. So he runs away, finds a police officer, and reports what he found. So it's just her upper body is found in his trash bag. She had been undressed and cut into pieces, like cut into the number two pieces. There were rope marks around her neck and her wrist like she had been restrained, Mm -hmm. and her cause of death was later determined to be strangulation. There was no bruising or scratches or signs that she had fought her killer, other than the restraint marks. Mm -hmm. She was literally sawed in half. The lower half of her body has never been found to this day. Has it not? No. The top portion was in pristine condition. There was no dirt. Or anything of the sort found on her. And her makeup had been washed off. So she had no clothing on at all. No clothing had been completely wiped down and cleaned from her makeup. Her entire upper body had been cleaned. There was also no blood. Some people speculate that she had been sexually assaulted. And so they did it to prevent evidence from being found but it appeared that a high power tool like a circular saw was used to make the cut there was very little forensic evidence and like i said her body was completely clean so there was nothing her killer was very efficient leaving only a partial fingerprint that has never been identified and it's even hard to point out if that could have even been the fingerprint of the killer it's in a dumpster yeah And it had been there for a day. So anybody could have touched it or, well, I mean, that one man just ripped the bag open wondering what was in there. So you can't. So police had no idea who this girl was. There was no ID on her. She was naked. There were no eyewitnesses and no CCTV footage. For the 30 hours she was missing, no one had reported her missing because she was in this apartment. And why would her host family be calling her on the weekend? It's the weekend. Yeah. And and if her friends called her and she didn't answer, you wouldn't – if I called you and you didn't answer, I wouldn't go and report you missing. Yeah. I'd be like, this bitch. Yeah. yeah. Shady buttoning me. Yeah. But I wouldn't – I mean, if it had been four days, mm-hmm. I would drive over here, first of all. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? So you can't really blame people for, like, no. why was she not reported missing or, you know? Yeah. So, also, there were no cell phones or an Instagram, so it's not like Man. they could, you know, track the night with selfies or yeah. timestamp snaps. Or exactly. That's funny. cell phone, you know, movements or police issue a statement to the press hoping to help identify this poor girl. Her employers see this news report on TV and contact the police. They said they hadn't been able to reach their au pair, and she had spent the, you know, weekend at this apartment, and she usually went out. Another au pair who was with her said that Karina left with an older man to go to an after party. So they left her, but maybe didn't leave the bar. Does that make sense? Maybe they... There was one over in the corner playing kissy face or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, then she gets drunk and gets kicked out. Oh. You know, she'd passed yeah. out in the bathroom. Yeah. Somebody yeah. told the bouncer. He's like, you got to get out of here. Yeah. And you can't sleep at a You can't. Yeah. yeah you got to get out of here. So, the investigation starts immediately. Tips on tips on tips are pouring in. And more than 300 witnesses are interviewed, including her boss, Frank. Other au pairs referred to him as creepy. And that his behavior was super sleazy and very suggestive. There was a rumor at the time that she was pregnant. And that was the terrible thing she was referring to, to her friends. This would also explain why her body was cut in half. Hmm. But again, strictly speculating. One week after this. Police were called to the residence of her employers because of a fire that was set on their property. They searched the ashes, but found no remains. They only released statements to the press through their attorney after this, the host family. They never talked to anybody. They would go through their attorney. Hmm. Very suspect. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean anything, but... Is, Is there no way to test her body after the fact? For what? There was no blood. How is there? I don't. Okay. I guess they drained it. There was no blood. It's hard to just imagine. There's nothing I, I don't d- know. I know. I know. So, Susan, who was a painter, the wife, allegedly they had suspicious themes in her paintings. So, there was one called Carried Across, and it was on her website. Another podcast saw this painting and spoke about it, and it has since been taken down. So, Susan Nichter, a c h t e r you can Google her name and see her paintings. So, you can go take a look, see it, all that. But allegedly, there were, the paintings were very suggestive at the time of, they were just sinister, mm-hmm. some people would say. Well... To but been that a you lot say of artists it, I, was I, say, I, I do you a, paint a lot of weird, weird shit. <laughs> stuff I do a lot of weird stuff I love it I but, am weird but at the same time like <laughs> I people don't know. can take it yeah. however they want to so that yeah. I mean take it with a grain of salt but yeah. yeah I mean I don't know A police report would say that she was last seen walking up Tremont Street between Boylston and Park Street Witnesses originally said they saw her in a gray car Another report said she was seen singing and dancing with a homeless man. Some witnesses reported seeing her with a couple of men outside the bar, but everything contradicts everything else. Nothing was solid enough to further investigate. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you have to think, again, this was before cell phones. You can't trace, timestamp, anything. You can't recreate the night with technology like you can now. She did have a conversation with a man named Herb Witten, who was 49 and drives down on the weekends from Andover. He brings his dog and they don matching t-shirts. He uses this to try to pick up the ladies. Oh, my gosh. oh no. That would get you Oh, wait. him and the dog. He would like it'd be like you and Rodie having matching t-shirts on. Oh, how would you do that? See, it would you would you would get into his van. Yeah. He'd be like, come here, look at these t-shirts I have for my dog. You would get right in. That reminds me, quick tangent, I was driving somewhere. It happened last week. I took a picture, but it's not very good at a stop sign. But there was a van in front of me, an old, creepy box van. But out of the side of it, two dogs were just had their tongues out, living their best life, like, <laughs> smiling. I'm like, okay, I'd get in that van. You would get in that van, 100%. percent <laughs> like, that's a van I'd get into. No questions. Yeah. <laughs> What are their names? What that would be names? my question. Sorry. They'd be like, we have puppies at home. You'd be like, I want to go. <laughs> then we would never find yeah. Lacey. So this man was questioned. Uh-huh. Um, he lawyered up. He, of course, looked suspicious when he did this, but... You he... can't blame people for doing no. that, you know? No. Nowadays, especially. Heck no. If, you know, if I was questioned and I was like... I wouldn't be questioned. Yeah. I'm, like, no, no. I'm like, no, this is weird. No. Even... Especially if you're innocent, honestly. Like yeah. if you say the wrong thing and you don't even know what they're asking, it no.
1: While you're up no matter what. No matter what. That's mm-hmm. our
0: that's our take. So he did have an airtight alibi. Mm-hmm. He had got a speeding ticket on his drive back to Andover around the same time mm-hmm. she was murdered. Sadly, Herb committed suicide five months later by slitting his own throat.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: There was never any evidence found that he committed this murder and maybe all the pressure and speculation and people accusing him got nice. to him. So he was a suspect for a hot minute, but no evidence, no evidence, yeah. nothing. Yeah. He was cleared. So that's very tragic. Mm-hmm. Police check bodies of water in the surrounding areas, trying to locate the lower part of the body or anything that belonged to her with no luck. They enlisted the help of the FBI behavioral science team to compile a profile of the kind of person that could do this. (laughs) Karina had no enemies, and she was – there's no reason why anybody would want to hurt her. She was very innocent. She hadn't been here that long. So – but, I mean, that shit happens all the time where we've talked about it. You look at somebody wrong, you refuse somebody's advances, Mm -hmm. and they just fucking snap. For no, re- you know. Mm-hmm. There was a musician named John Swice who was also interviewed. He allegedly practiced black magic and worshiped the devil. He allegedly told police that he had two thigh bones that he used for no good. What? He was cleared. Oh it was all God. just him. Um, just a weirdo wanting attention. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Karina's funeral was held in Sweden with her friends and family. They all wore colorful clothing as a tribute to her joyful personality. They spoke of her love of life and how ambitious and friendly she was. She was so young, and this was such a tragic ending to her life. Investigators hit dead end after dead end. Nothing connected to anything else. No concrete evidence, and all leads went nowhere. This case is still unsolved. I'm not sure that it ever will or can be solved at this point. Karina wasn't just murdered. She was completely destroyed so heinously. This case had some similarities that made me think of the Black Dahlia. Yeah. You know, like, they had ligature marks, both of them, on their wrist, And they were both washed clean. Karina's makeup was wa- washed off. And... The black Dahlia's hair had been washed. That black dye had been washed out. So her natural red hair was showing. It's just, and they were both cut in two with very, you know, very precise cuts. Like the only bone they had to cut through was the spine. So it's like they had to, people had to know. Anyways. I mean, I guess this could be the first and only time this person murdered someone. That's a extreme – you murder g- somebody, but then you completely cut them in two pieces, and it's not a mess all over the place. Well, I mean, clearly she was murdered somewhere else yeah. and dumped, so there may be – It seems like a meticulous person. Yes. A clean oh, yeah. person. Yeah, like OCD. Someone that knows how to use power tools, obviously, mm-hmm. and can handle power mm-hmm. tools. And this was this couldn't have been a quiet murder. No. You know? Yeah, no. Mm-mm. And wherever she was cut was going to be that was a nasty scene. Yeah. So someone made a mess somewhere. Yeah. Gosh. So I will leave you with this poem written by Karina in 1992 entitled Life. The richest gift you ever got is life. Don't throw it away or ever step on it but hold it high in your hands. Mm, it's very sad. Awful. It is. I mean, they're all awful. We always say that, but... Especially since it's unsolved. And, yeah. And it's hard to say it ever will be, but the fact is her bottom half of her body mm-hmm. is somewhere. It's bones now. I couldn't imagine... She was only in the U.S. for three months. Ugh. And then this happened. Can
1: you imagine her family? Like, she just goes she just to the U.S. To, and then it's Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And couldn't wait to come back home and... Start her life and travel and do all these things, and then you just get a phone call that we found your child. In one of the most horrific Uh, ways. I can't imagine. Ugh. Can't imagine. Let's take a break. Hey. So, last September, a new docu-series aired on Hulu called The Murders Before the Marathon. Didn't see. I'm it. guessing you didn't watch it. Didn't. I never even saw the advertisement for it or anything, but it questions on how an unsolved triple murder in Waltham, Massachusetts on September 11th, 2011, could have changed the course of history. So, on the 10-year anniversary of the 9/11 attacks, a ghastly triple homicide was committed in Waltham, Massachusetts. One investigator called the scene the worst bloodbath he had ever seen and compared the carnage to an Al Qaeda training video. Oh my god. Yeah. And before I get into that, I'll tell you just a little bit about the town. The driving distance between Waltham to Boston is twelve miles, takes approximately seventeen minutes to make the drive, so Technically, it makes up the greater Boston area. Okay. Waltham has been called Watch City because of its association with the watch industry. Waltham Watch Company opened its factory in Waltham in 1854 and was the first company to make watches on an assembly line. Okay, all the fun stuff is over. <laughs> on September 11th, 2011, three friends were hanging out to watch Sunday Night Football. Brendan Mess, who was 25 years old lived on the second floor of an apartment at 12 Harding Avenue in Waltham. 31 year old Eric Weissman and 37 year old Raphael Tekken were there hanging out. So, just bros watching some football. They had more things in common than just that. They were each into fitness. So, Brendan was a martial arts fighter and instructor, Eric was a personal trainer, and Raphael was a bodybuilder. You're describing me and you. (laughs) Exactly. Just a couple bros watching sports. Working on our fitness. Working on our fitness. (laughs) It is what it is. (laughs) So Eric and Raphael were Jewish. And some sources said Brendan was also Jewish. But others said it was unclear. So I can't verify that. But it's important to remember that for sure the other two guys are. Raphael was actually the son of a rabbi. So they had another thing in common. They were all known drug dealers in Waltham. Nope, not us. (laughs) (laughs) Lost me there. Bodybuilders, not the drug. Yeah. Well, based on everything I could find, they were only dealing marijuana. So, I mean, obviously, back then especially, you can't deal weed or on drugs, yada, yada. But, I mean, I'm just saying it wasn't meth or crack. Right. Anyway, in 2008... Eric was pulled over for failing to yield, and the officer smelled marijuana smoke in his vehicle, so he was charged with possession and intent to distribute. Raphael's neighbors also assumed he was a drug dealer because he didn't leave his home much and had a steady stream of visitors. So they just, you know. Well, on the evening of September 11th, Eric was looking for a place to stay. Ever since he was busted for drugs... He couch surfing, but he kept all of his stuff at Brendan's place, because that's usually where he stayed. Mm-hmm. Brendan was going through a bad breakup, especially since she had been living with him. After the breakup, she went to Florida, so the apartment was all clear for a guy's night in. Brendan also invited Raphael, who they called Rafi, to join in watching the game. That's cute. It is cute. At seven thirty that evening, Eric sent a text to another one of their friends who lived in Newton, but after that all three of them stopped answering their phones. The next morning, Brendan's ex unexpectedly returned from Florida. No one thought she was going to be coming back to the apartment, but she tried to call Brendan, but he didn't answer. She showed up, couldn't get inside, I guess she didn't have a key anymore, and asked the landlord to open the door. They did. And she walked inside to find three bloody bodies. One news report said she left the house and screamed, they're all dead. Another said she went outside crying with blood on her feet and calmly asked for a cigarette. That's awful. And the scene was incredibly graphic. Their throats had been slashed with such force that their heads were nearly decapitated. Oh my god. About a pound and a half of high-grade marijuana covered two of the corpses. Like someone sprinkled it on top of their bodies after. Like sending a message. Yeah. Rafi's face was left untouched. Eric had a bloody lip, and Brendan had fighting wounds. His arms were covered in scratch marks. He had puncture marks on his temple and the top of his head. Another mark by his ear, and he was bruised around the lips. Remember, he was the one that was a trained martial artist. Mm -hmm. He knew how to fight, Mm -hmm. and the other two guys were strong. It didn't look like a robbery because eight and a half pounds of weed was left behind in bags and jars, and it was the high-grade stuff. And also, in total, the three men had $5,000 on them, between the three. So, no one was digging through their pockets, no one was stealing any money. They just came there to... Yeah, I mean... I don't know the going rate for weed, but I'm assuming if there's eight pounds of high-quality stuff plus five grand, you know, you're going to steal it in case, unless you don't want it. There were no signs of a break-in, so it was likely that at least one of them knew the attacker or attackers. An investigator said that there were at least two people involved, which would make sense. It would be hard for one person to gang up on three men. And I'm not an investigator. But I'm just going to say there were some big problems with the investigation from the very beginning. Certain leads were never followed, and the investigators didn't even visit the gym that Brendan trained at. And they didn't even question his best friend, even though several of Brendan's other friends gave his name to police. Ten days after the murders, a state police detective essentially told one victim's mother that investigators were waiting for the case to solve itself. that poor mom they said quote someday down the line someone is going to need a plea bargain and they're like well my son's dead now i want answers you know like it's important to them it was just i can't even imagine Mm -mm. the case basically went cold a week later because they had no concrete leads and the friends and families of the victims basically felt that authorities kind of had this perception that since they were drug dealers, they just landed themselves into some trouble. And I'm like, it's three weed dealers near Boston. It's not breaking bad. Right. You know what I mean? Like, they were almost decapitated and this, all their yeah. stuff was left behind. But I don't know. To me, it just doesn't seem like a drug deal gone wrong because those people would take the product. And the money. And the money. Yeah. Five grand. One of Eric's friends, who didn't have a police record, said that when he was questioned by detectives, which was just hours after carrying Eric's casket at his funeral, the detectives were treating them less like friends and more like a bunch of drug dealers. Kind of like, well, if you're friends with these guys, you're up to no good either. So they were just really shrugging the whole case off. At one point, detectives called Aria, Eric's sister, into the station and accused her of knowing who killed her brother. She broke down in tears as her mother defended her. It's like they were just berating these people. The case went cold until the Boston Marathon bombing in mid-April 2013. So a quick little overview of that: the Boston Marathon bombing was a domestic terrorist attack that took place during the Boston Marathon on April 15, 2013. I can't believe it was that long ago. No, it doesn't seem. I know. Ugh. Two terrorists, mm-hmm. brothers Johar and Tamerlin, Sarnayu, while well, they planted two homemade pressure cooker bombs near the finish line of the race, killing three people and injuring hundreds of others. Well, then they put like nails and shit in them. It was awful. So it was like shrap. Oh, I oh can't. It, was, it was terrible. The terrible. P- the photos and videos of the scene were beyond <sighs> awful. I cannot even imagine being there. Seventeen people lost limbs. Limbs. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Three days later, the FBI released images of the two suspects. Following their identification, they killed an MIT policeman, then kidnapped a man in his car. After that man escaped, they had a shootout with police in nearby Watertown on April 19th. I didn't know about all this stuff. I no. mean, I guess I did, but I had forgotten. During this, two officers were severely injured. Tamerlin was shot several times, and his brother... Zohar ran him over while trying to escape in the stolen car, and Tamerlin died soon after. Around 6 p.m. that day, a Watertown resident discovered Zohar hiding in a boat in his backyard. Zohar was shot and wounded by a police officer before being taken into custody, so he was taken in alive. During questioning, Zohar said that he and his brother were motivated by the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and that they were self-radicalized and unconnected to any outside terrorist groups, and that he was following his brother's lead. He said they learned to build explosive devices from the online magazine of Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula. He also said that they had intended to travel to New York City to bomb Times Square. Nightmare. On April eighth, twenty fifteen, he was convicted of thirty charges, including use of a weapon of mass destruction and malicious destruction of property resulting in death. Two months later, he was sentenced to death. The same day that the police released info on who the bombers were, media outlets made the connection between Tamerlin and Brendan, the brother that died by getting ran over by the other brother, you know. So Tamerlin was Brendan. Ness's best friend. What? Yes. Other friends recalled that Tamerlin acted differently after Brendan's death, and he didn't attend the funeral or the memorial service. John Allen, the owner of the gym where Brendan and Tamerlin both went, recalled approaching Tamerlin to offer his condolences, only to have Tamerlin laugh him off. That's so insensitive. Yeah. Mutual friends and acquaintances had named him to police, but the police never once spoke to him or questioned him about Brendan's murder. Which is odd because they questioned several of their friends. Why wouldn't they question a best friend, even if it's for gathering information? Tamerlan did have a history of violence, including an arrest in July of 2009 for assaulting his girlfriend. After that, he began dating an American, Catherine Russell from North Kingstown, Rhode Island, Off and on while she attended Suffolk University from 2007 to 2010, she ended up converting to Islam and started wearing a hijab in 2008. Friends said he would shout at her that she was a slut. Yeah. (laughs) They described fights in which he would fly into rages and throw furniture and other things at her. Tamerlan's uncle said that he had been concerned about his nephew becoming an extremist since 2009. Tamerlan even got kicked out of his own mosque, which condemned terrorism, in 2008 because he kept interrupting the sermons. Oh my god. So it's like he felt like he knew better than his own mosque, yeah. According to the Murders Before the Marathon... Tamerlin also had a particular aversion toward Jews, which could have been a motive because Eric Weissman and Raphael Tekken were openly proud of their Jewish heritage. Tamerlin read English-language versions of propaganda created by Al-Qaeda and took a shine to conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. He also became an anti-Semite and fought regularly with Brendan and Eric about Israel. I would... Assume that these guys didn't know how extreme he was. No. On May twenty second, two 2013, law enforcement officers, an FBI agent, and two Massachusetts state police troopers interviewed a Chechen immigrant named Ibrahim Todashev for approximately eight hours at his apartment in Orlando, Florida. So they interviewed him regarding the Waltham triple murders and his connection to Tamerlan and other extremists because he was on their radar after the bombing. 27-year-old Ibrahim was friends with Tamerlan and was also an amateur boxer and aspiring MMA fighter. So he had sparred with Tamerlan in Massachusetts at the same gym Brendan went to, so they all have this connection. He also lived in the Boston area for a number of years, but before the murders, he relocated to Atlanta and then moved to Orlando shortly after. Investigators said that he implicated both himself and Tamerlan in the murders during the questioning and was beginning to write a formal statement when he asked to take a break. Then he suddenly attacked the FBI agent. Don't do that. Ibrahim was shot multiple times and killed by the officers. He was unarmed when killed, but some initial reports stated that he had a knife. The agent sustained minor injuries requiring stitches. It's kind of unclear what actually went down during this. As per reports, Ibrahim had allegedly told detectives his and Tamerlan's initial motive was robbery. But then they decided it would be best to eliminate any witnesses at the scene. After 11 years... No charges or arrests have been made in connection with the murder of Eric Weissman, Brendan West, and Rafi Tekin. Ibrahim's death caused more questions than answers. And to this day, it's unclear if he actually did help Tamerlin in the murders or if Tamerlin's younger brother, who's awaiting the death penalty, did. Even though he confessed, some parts of his confession didn't make sense. For example, he said the victims were tied up with tape but as far as anyone knows, that's not true, and it's never been proven they were tied up in any way. He also did not mention that any sort of physical altercation took place, and based on Brendan's fighting wounds, that definitely happened. He basically said it was a robbery gone wrong, but police had ruled out a robbery from the beginning. Nothing was stolen, and the murders were extremely violent. Also, his loved one said he was not in Massachusetts at the time. They believed he heard about the murders through Tamerlin, but who knows? Susan Zalkine is a producer on the Hulu series *The Murders Before the Marathon*, and I'll link that up in case you forget. It's three episodes. She's also one of the New England journalists who covered the trial of Zohar Sharnayev after the 2013 Boston Marathon bombing. She's currently writing a book called *The Waltham Murders*, which is due to publish later this year which will be interesting. And I also got my info from the Boston Herald, Boston.com, and Wicked Local. So what do you think? I mean, her whole documentary is basically like, if they just would have questioned this guy and caught him, the Boston bombings would have never happened. Very, Which is very possible. possible. I mean, we know, basically, Tamron was involved. Right. It's just, was it his brother? But at this point, his brother's going to be put to death. And then the other guy, if he did it, He's been killed anyway. I doubt it's an, a thir- another person. Right. I don't know. It's just one of those I've never things. heard of this case. Neither have I. I didn't never. I mean, I knew interesting. As soon as I pulled up the info from the Boston Marathon and stuff, I immediately remembered the mug shots of the guys. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't know there was anything else, but I guess this Susan found out about uh-huh. it and she started digging in, but they are just awful oh but, yeah ugh, it's so scary when people become radicalized no matter what their religion is i feel like every religion has these extremists they do. that they do. just completely it's interesting you know last week whenever i was talking about that woman who was like you know asking me about <laughs> aliens and all that and was like do you know how crazy you sound about people coming from the sky and <laughs> taking you back? And I'm like, do you know how crazy you sound to some people who like, are... Like, that's a rapture. Now. That's literally what you <laughs> teach people with Christianity. But people aren't supposed to question that. She brought up a point today. She... Or not a point, but she said something today about... Um, Does she listen to this? No. Okay, good. Absolutely and I'm like, after not. that, she's like... <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Okay, so good. she was talking about something like... Well, I think they should bring back eye for an eye and, you know, tooth for a tooth and all, you know, all okay, the things. I cannot deal I think with that. We should, I, I think cannot. we should go back to the Old Testament. And I'm again, oh, again, I'm like, Jesus didn't even want the Old Testament. <laughs> like, interesting that you should bring that up again. You know, oh, I'm like, God. here we go. Here we fucking okay. go. And I'm like, okay, your son's in the military. Yes, he is. I'm. You know, and I'm like, I no, no disrespect for anyone in the military. I come from a long line of men in the Navy and Air Force and all the things. But when you say, you know, eye for an eye or, you know, whatever, I'm sure he's killed people. Well, yes, he has. So do you think he deserves to die because he killed some? Well, no, because he was doing it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why. Yeah. You can't go. I'm not into the whole, um, let's like like ex- like hang people in the streets. Extremist and I don't and want radicalist. to see anybody No, in the streets. I don't want to. No. When people say that, people say that a lot. And if you said that, I'm not coming for you. This isn't personal. Right. But it's like when I see people talk about that, because I've watched A Handmaid's Tale. Sure. And you see them hanging in the streets or whatever. And that's why I think in my head, I'm like, I would never want a world where I walk down the street and I see people hanging. I don't care what they did. I don't care if it's Ted Bundy. I don't want to see a dead person hanging from anything. And do you want children to see people? I'm just like, this is just, mm, no. Well, no. And I mean, and that's, and I respect this woman. She's an older woman and I call her my office mom. I respect her. I mean, no disrespect I'm talking shit about her on here. I do the same thing to her face believe I mean, we just agree to disagree <laughs> yeah, on things yeah. all the time and we can get along and do that. And I'm like, and I tell her all the time, I'm like, don't you think it would be a wonderful world if people could have conversations like you and I, you make fun of me for believing in aliens. I think you're in a cult because you're in a church. And then we're like, do you want to go get lunch? And we just let bygones be bygones. But that's the thing with like these extremist people. It's like, they believe like she brought up in situate or not situations, mm-hmm. but like certain things out of certain books and that's their focus and it doesn't matter who is an innocent bystander or gets harmed or loses their life this is the right thing i believe this come hell or high water and you can't well right prove it's like me wrong the, these terrorists yeah not, they were doing right the right thing right as we think oh my god that is you're a psychopath just so yeah. horrific how mm-hmm. could you ever do something like that but in their warped heads, that it, it just—it's baffling that yeah. you can be radicalized like that. It's freaking. Yes, out. that kind of stuff freaks me out. It's like its own cult of no. You're two right. Members of the, whatever. I know it was just them, but you're right. Ugh. And some people are were speculating. We don't know the motives. No one's mm-hmm. talked or, or they're dead. But some people are like, well, if it was his best friend, and he knew, you know, he he was jewish or might have been jewish why would this guy why why murder him why not just stop being friends some people theorize that so it was september 11th that this happened Mm -hmm. that he was going to do something and he might have personally felt like this was the last tie he had to not being totally like makes sense friends with this guy i can't be friends with this guy i'm gonna prove to my extremist religion or viewpoint right. or whatever that i'm in it period right. so i'm going to murder my best friend and these other jewish men that's just speculation but it it's kind like, why would you murder he had no they hadn't fought like they argued and bickered about israel and all that but it's not like he owed him money it wasn't right. some big it was just no. he brutally murdered his best friend anyways yeah Jeez. do you have any news We have a new patron. Yay. Yes. We have Haley W. from Kentucky. Well, thank you, Haley. Thank you, Haley. I'm on top of things. I put her sticker in the mail today. Oh, perfect. Her pin is up already. Look at that. We see you, Haley. We see you. You are a, (laughs) what color? A purple pin. It's a purple pin. Thank you. And Diana from California bought us a few cocktails today. You better make those tomorrow when we record the Patreon. Yes, thank you, Diane. Thank you very this much. This one was a serious episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, our patron is too, but uh, you know, she's making me drink high noons. The uh, last two weeks, those I've last been grapefruit high noon. I know. I've been drinking some old ass white calls at my house mm-hmm. on Zoom, and then I come here and I have I'm served a can. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Oh my gosh, I don't want to forget this. I wrote it in my notes so I wouldn't forget. Okay, on. Saturday, our friend Jason and I were hanging out. You have it in there? I have it in my little notes Did I wrote he tell because, you? Well, I stopped by our friend Jason's house yesterday oh my on my way you. to Valentine's dinner. I ran by his house yeah. and saw him for a second. And he brought this up to me. So you go ahead. Yeah. So Jason and I went to the... Area near my house has like a farmer's market area. Well, on this day, it was like a Mm crafter's bazaar, Mm -hmm. local people. Well, I noticed one tent was a hot sauce. Well, and this is my notes. It says, tell me about this hot sauce lady that you met last weekend. And the bottles were super cute. You posted a picture. Yeah, I shared it on there. I took a picture of her. I love. In here. I love everything that gives me heartburn. So, so we're just roaming around, and in retrospect, I should have bought a bottle. I didn't. <gasps> I didn't. But I'm going to. Don't yeah. worry. I can. Walk, they're going to be back. So it's Murder Farm hot sauce. Their tagline is "We're killing it." And love it. You can visit them on murderfarm.com. They're not paying me to give an ad. I just want to <laughs> give them a shout out. I literally wrote in here. Exactly. Can we shamelessly plug this? Yeah, party? we. Well, <laughs> I don't know if she was the uh, owner. Oh, The owner or, like, what exactly? They had cute little beanies on, but some of the names were just really cute. Well, okay, so while I said, oh, my gosh, can I take a picture of you? Because I co-host a true crime podcast, and this, you know, is pretty cute. And then as I'm saying this, some other woman goes, what podcast? And I looked over, and I'm like, oh, United States of Murder. Just, I'm assuming it's some, like, I like podcasts. I'll write it down because that's the only thing I've ever gotten well she's like i listen to you what and i'm like and i'm like oh my gosh how cool and her name's sarah if she's listening hi sarah that that she's from hot springs she was at this Burnie's gardens bazaar very cool yeah, that was a cool that's the first time i've ever met someone in the wild that already <laughs> knew who we were you <laughs> know what i mean, mean. <laughs> usually people are like oh i like podcasts i'll listen but yeah thanks sarah that's very cool. It I'll mark was. this off my list. Jason on thought here. it was exciting, too. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yay. Yeah. That's very cool. The funny. next time I'm there, I'm going to buy the hot sauce. Oh, yeah. We were just like kind of, I don't know. Well. We were on our way to something else. It was just. Yeah. We were hungry. We were. it was Yeah. Well, that's fun. I'll buy some hot sauce. I will eat it. Also, we need to talk about this Super Bowl. I lost. You won. You went for the Chiefs. I, went, I you're like, I don't know. Second. After, after Rihanna <laughs> performed, I, I did too. I out. I did too. I did too. I didn't watch the rest of it. I, it was good. So I guess you don't have to get your arrowhead tattooed <laughs> on your thigh. You're safe. I didn't love any of the commercials. Um, I talked during the commercials, so I, I don't know. I'm not a big commercial person. I feel like they always hype up the Super Bowl commercials yeah. and they were not great. Um, Halftime was good. No complaints. I spent the entire time going, "Is she pregnant? She's pregnant. She's got kind of, it." Like I, talking to myself. I assumed you know. the whole time she was pregnant. But I didn't want to assume because I'm like I know it's I a mean, faux pas to assume that, but at the same time, because this dress I have on makes me look like I'm pregnant. I but feel at like. the same time, I'm like she's accentuating it with the yeah. way her pants were and her belt was, and she kept touching. Yeah, you know? I'm like yeah. She, I, mean, I just kind yeah. of the whole time was like, oh yeah, of she's course. she's with child. Yeah. I did. Um, cry during the national anthem oh my gosh i do always it doesn't matter it's so funny if they play the national anthem i am in tears like snot tears it's oh i don't gosh. know why max kept looking at me going why are you crying i'm like i don't know so Funny. i was I just, just eating pizza getting my feels that's hilarious when the national anthem comes on i so. was dancing in the living room and during the performance, and I'm like, that thing is so scary. <gasps> oh my gosh. There's no way. And did you see how it was kind of wobbling a little bit while she was on it? I would have went no into way. labor. There's <laughs> no way I could be on that. I'm just saying. No, it made my hands sweat watching it. Mm. Let's see what else. I did Um, completely binge The Last of Us. I'm all caught You're, up. Oh, what do you think about it? It's, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Every episode is very intense. Um, I do enjoy the flashbacks to like how things got started Mm -hmm. or where, you know what I mean? Or where I like that. It's different from the walking dead because it's like, it's what 20 something or is it 20 years in the future? Yeah. Yeah. It's not like it's when it's happening. Um, I'm also very confused as to in these movies or these shows where they have the apocalypse or, you know, whatever they happen so quickly,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: like within hours. It's like you're in class on Friday and you have math homework, and then boom, bombs are dropped on your neighborhood. Six hours later, Mm-mm. that now, seems I'm not very. Spoil anything, but in that first episode, when st- I'm like, mm. I know, mm. I'm like, everything just went to shit that quickly. But then you know, my mind, because I'm one of those that sits up all night and chews my fingernails off thinking about this shit. I'm going. I mean, they probably would have to do it like that, so we wouldn't be warned and have mass chaos. No? It's terrifying. I don't know. I have no idea. Speaking of all of that, what the fuck is going on with all of these flying objects that they are shooting out of the sky? I'm behind. I don't know. <gasps> I don't even know. I've just Lacy. seen people talking about it. I don't know what's happening well, with they, the sky. Well, they shot the balloon, the, the balloon from China, down over by South Carolina. Jason's messaging me. Who's they? The, well, the Air Force. Oh, okay. Well, then there have been three unidentified oh, flying no. things. Oh, not an One A- over Alaska, one over Canada, just like north of Washington State. And then one over Lake Huron. Ooh, There's yeah. cylinder shaped. For real? Yes. And one is circular shaped. And the news literally released a statement saying, these do not appear to be UFOs or alien aircraft. (laughs) Of course, you know, my ears went thunk. Oh, no. Literally, I am sweating. It makes me nervous. First of all, why should we believe you, Mr. Channel 7 guy? Like you would tell us the truth. Mm -hmm. We have all seen disaster movies where they all meet in the big room, around the table, and they're like, we can't tell anybody. We have to be quiet because people would freak the fuck out. Could you imagine they release a statement, aliens are among us? First of all, <laughs> I would take over this podcast be and laughing. be like, I told everyone so. Oh, my Lacey. Lady, I work with lazy lady. <laughs> I was right. There are aliens. Oh my god! I'm just saying. I've seen Independence Day, <laughs> and that I'm gave me nightmares. I need to find a Will Smith. Uh, no, no, no. I take that back. Yes, I have to find Jeff Goldblum. I was about to say, for real, you're gonna Smarty pants you, scientist. Your husband. I will take him. I have been sending Lacey alien memes for the past two weeks. It's it's true. She hopes they take me first. (laughs) This is an alien situation. But it does concern me and I'm wondering what the fuck this is. Because if nothing else, if nothing else, that sounds very redundant. But it's not aliens and it's, you know, China or whoever the fuck. Like it's, it could cause major issues with air traffic. (laughs) Yeah. For real, you don't yeah. want to be in an airplane and some weird shit be close to you, and fucking fighter jet shoot you down. Uh, yeah, you're as right. my sister's on an airplane right now, and now I'm thinking about that and sweating. Anyways, it's very nerve wracking. Lacey's like, I don't watch the news. I don't care. There's no aliens. You're <laughs> no, I'm, dumb. I'm interested. I don't. I just do not know. Anything give about it a it. goog. I will. I will. It makes me nervous. Just saying. Hmm. Well, that was the end of the season. Yeah, this was the last state we had to cover. We'll keep the wackies going. Yeah, we're taking a few weeks off. The main pod will take a break. We need to give our minds a rest, come out with some new ideas, brainstorm, blah, blah, blah. But we will be coming back for season three. Follow us on all the socials. Yes, Lacey does all of that. She'll let you know when we're coming back. Maybe we have some fun, exciting announcements to make. Maybe we have news. And we are, for patrons, everything's the same. We're going to have a new episode this week. And be on the lookout for that. We'll be discussing love, obsession, and murder. Gone wrong. I don't know what I'm saying on it yet, but I'll come up with something. Also, my dating life. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, our patrons the same. We're coming out with a new episode. They're all ad-free. If you want to catch up during our break, go to patreon.com slash United States of murder, And we also will mail you goodies if you're a patron. But, yeah. And just because we're on a break doesn't mean we're going to stop drinking. So you can send us some <laughs> drinks over, too. Because these next we, few we weeks, <laughs> no. while we are brainstorming and yes. covering our wackies, buy us a in the words of marisol from real housewives of miami buy us a cocky buy us a cocky (laughs) and we're always open for case suggestions wacky stories ideas all of it email us at united states of murder at gmail.com follow us on instagram at united states of murder and on facebook at u.s oven podcast bye no i have a favor oh shit one quick favor (laughs) (laughs) Tell a friend about us. Tell a friend. It's free. It's easy. And it will majorly help us. Tell them they have a gazillion episodes to catch up on. And then there's going to be a season three. Don't have a friend? Leave us a review. (laughs) That's (laughs) true. Don't have any friends that like True Crime? Just leave us a review instead. And that helps us. All right. Bye. Can I say bye now? Okay. Bye. (laughs) Bye.